You know, Mama, it is so hard to be a teenage girl nowadays, and it takes a lot of courage to stand up for your own values, to stand up for your what you believe to be right for yourself, and really to stand up for who you are and not be ashamed of it. I understand. Even as a woman, it's hard to do that with with what's going on in today's world, right? So I have my friend here, Juliana Page, who is a five-time author, master certified life coach, prophetic trainer, host of the God's Vibes podcast, which I was a guest of, and you need to go check that episode out too, but also the founder of Courage Co., who is passionate about helping people transform their lives. With expertise in the film production, life coaching, ministry, leadership, and personal development, Juliana equips individuals to change their story, activate their unique kingdom impact, and find lasting fulfillment through service. And you'll be able to find and how you can connect with her later in the show notes, but I'm super excited to have her as my guest. Whether you are someone of faith or maybe exploring what faith is all about, this is for you. There's always something for you to listen, to grab some important tips that she uh, shares here on the podcast that I actually picked up for myself. This is a two-part series, Mama. It's that good that we had to break it up into two sessions. So come back on Wednesday for the part two of my interview with Juliana Page. You know, Mama, I had such a wonderful time with the Teen Talk Workshop. And if you were a part of it, Thank you so much for spending the last couple of days with me as we're shifting our communication, understanding our girl, and also creating new communication pathways, right? And it's not too late for you, Mama, to work with me. If you're wondering, you're like, darn, I missed the Teen Talk workshop, or I want to get in depth with what we were learning during that workshop, and I just don't know how. Mama, this is my invitation to you. Join me in the Talk to Your Teen Girl framework. It's a four-week course that will get you started in creating a space for your teen to feel safe and respond in a way where your teen girl will feel heard and understood. You are building trust so you get what you want most from your daughter. That is to come to you about anything and everything. Head now to talktoyourteengirl.com. We start tomorrow. So go now. That's talktoyourteengirl.com. I'll see you there. Hey, Mama. Welcome to Raising Her Confidently. Do you want to have open communication with your teen daughter? Do you find yourself constantly thinking about how to talk to your teen or why your girl is not opening up to you? Do you wake up with confident intentions only to feel confused and frustrated when all you get are one-word answers from your daughter again? Hey, I'm Jeannie. I too was a mom raising young teens. I too felt grieved by the loss of my sweet, talkative little girl. I wanted her to come to me about anything, even if she was scared, and listen to my advice. But I kept thinking, she won't listen to me, and I don't know how to approach her, until I found tools to create open communication. In this podcast, you will find how to connect and talk to your team, and create a safe space for her to go to, so that you will have that close relationship you dreamed of. Go grab your glass of Merlot and throw off those fuzzy slippers and let's dig in together. Hi, moms. I have Juliana here, who is the podcast host of God Vibes, which is a biblical truth in real, practical, and uncomplicated way. 
to help women live a spirit-led life and step into their purpose and their confidence. And I asked her to come on today because I believe you, Mama, who is listening, have a lot to listen because she has a lot of value to bring in helping you communicate with your teenage daughter. So Juliana, would you like to introduce yourself? Yes, hello. It's such a joy to be here. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited. I am Juliana. I am based in Austin. So a lot of the work that I do is virtual, but I am a coach. I am a master certified coach. I've been coaching since 2009. So a very long time. That's how I show up in the world. I'm an encourager. I'm a teacher at heart, definitely also flow in the prophetic. So I love hearing from God and applying that in a very real, intimate, personal way in my life. I've authored five books. I host a podcast and I stay busy and a mastermind and a lot of different programming that we have in a platform called Courage Co., which is all about really helping people live their most courageous and impactful story. Because my background is in journalism and film and a lot of storytelling. So it's just morphed into helping people really show up in their story. So it's a little bit about what happens over here. <laughs> <laughs> wow. You come with a lot of background, which is awesome yeah. because I think it truly helps, you know, you be able to help someone else with their own story. I think it yeah. sometimes discovering their own story can take a lifetime, right? I mean, I just shared mine with you and <laughs> right. It can take a yeah. lifetime and it, it really does take somebody that who can uh, navigate and help guide them to be able to formulate their story and really own it and bring them into a light where God can use it. So I love what you're doing. Thank you. I'm sensing people need to hear too, like, why does this relate to mamas in general? So for example, I think I'd share with you. So I'm adopted and I actually found out when I was 10 because my biological mom, right? Had a relationship with my adoptive mother. Okay. Mm -hmm. So they, she would send, my adoptive mother would send her letters and kind of like updates on who I was and all that sort of thing. But right. my adoptive mother was struggling with alcoholism and put me on the phone with my biological mom. And I was 10 and she said, your mom wants to talk to you. So this is how I found out that I was adopted. I had no clue what that meant, but as a 10 year old, I think for me, like what it did in that moment was I was like, I have no home base, right? Yeah. I don't know what home is. Now I'm like, questioning like am I safe here and like what do I start doing with this dynamic because the woman that I just talked to on the other end of the line was not acting right she thought that was a real moment so I'm like there's got to be some truth here but what does that mean how does that change my reality so even at 10 right I'm exploring right. who am I why am I here how can I make a difference right so I just I'm offering this because to me seeing that in a life story it's like we often don't have the what we wanted or what we needed that's often like true in our story, but God still redeems that. And it's evidence of how he wants to use you later. Right. So yes. that was very clear to me that people around me did not have things figured out. <laughs> there was going to be no like nurturing support, building up, like training a child in the way they should go. There was going to be chaos. Right. And I was basically in big trouble. Right. But I knew early. I was like, either like this can't be happening randomly. There's like a reason that I'm aware of this so early, but I never knew why. For a very long time. So my question is, how did that, because I mean, you were such a young age, 10 years old, and it almost was, you were put into a situation where you're supposed to handle this like an adult and understand what was really going on. Yeah. How did that impact you going into your teen tween stages? Cause you're about to enter it. So how yeah. did that impact you? It was a big deal, right? Because there, there was seeds of, cause I'm 
my story is crazy, right? But I'm basically connected to three different families. Right. Okay. Right. So I'm like that again, like later in life, especially with God at the center, you're like, Ooh, what, what are we breaking generationally? Like with three different family lines, that's crazy. Okay. Yeah. didn't know that then um, I was raised Catholic. So I, I didn't have like this intimate relationship with God. It was kind of like, you need to follow these things. Otherwise you're in big trouble. And I was right. kind of like, Oh, yay. Like more high achievement, more perfectionism, more people pleasing, more codependency. There was like a lot of that kind of being bred. And my outlet at the time had been sports right? Like mm-hmm. being a very high achiever in school and being a very great athlete. So those were kind of like my places where I could just be free. Do you know what I mean? Like I could just like let loose all that energy. But for me, what was really happening was I was working on overdrive. So I didn't have a grid for what I was experiencing, but I was supposed to already have had it figured out. But then I also inherently knew that I was behind. Mm-hmm. So like, there was like this crazy, like running for something that I didn't quite know that I was running for, but I like, I had to find it. Right. So I'm like, they don't have it figured out. So I'm going to figure it out. Okay. So I'm like running full speed in the wrong direction <laughs> over and over and over again. Right. So that didn't really come out until I didn't have those outlets anymore that were like healthy and like, okay. So it was mainly in college where I started to, like, I went to a know thyself retreat when I was a freshman because I'm like, mm. we've got to work this out. I've got to figure out like who I am. I've really got to figure this out. Like, I don't know how I'm going to survive in my life. Right. And the reality of being out of sight, out of mind, like I lost the athletics. I did still do athletics in college, but they weren't the same. So I kind of like lost that outlet. And then I was not in the same family unit that I had been in. And my father had remarried. So there was like a whole different unit that I was not a part of because they married after I graduated high school, the day after. So it's kind of like, oh, go graduate, go to school to be fine. But it was like, no, you really don't like in real life have a home. Right. 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 So in college, it was like, I was out of sight, out of mind. So all the roles that I had practiced up to that point were just gone. And then I didn't have athletics anymore. And I had no clue what I was going to major in or what I was going to do with my life. So like, this was like, sort of like the midlife crisis only it was happening at like quarter life. Right. <laughs> so everybody is out like partying, having a great time, like where they're free and embracing their freedom. And I'm like, oh my God, like freaking out. So right. that's really, really hard. And in that season, I didn't know Cause at that point, like I've always had a relationship with my biological mother and that was never going to be an option unless I chose it, but it was kind of dropped on me. So in that season, it was very confusing when I'm starting to evolve into an adult. So I was wondering like, well, you're not really my friend. I don't really know how to trust you. You've never been my mom. Like sometimes you send me gifts, but you want me to operate. Like you're this like really important figure in my life. And I at least respect you, but like, I I don't know how to relate with you. I'm like frustrated because you want to take on me right now. And you're not even seeing that I'm drowning. Yes. So that season was so, so hard. Cause I'm like, I'm struggling. Like I was very much having a hard time that I had to vocalize that to people. Cause they couldn't even see, like, I was like shrinking in my reality. I used to be like pretty, just like a strong person. Now I'm like very like skinny. I'm like, you mm-hmm. could literally even see me shrinking in real life. And people had no idea. So I had to literally be like, this is what's happening to me. Like, I can't even like tell you beyond that, but I am having a hard time. And I wasn't met with, wow, that was really brave and courageous for you to kind of like be vulnerable and share your truth. It was more so like, what do we need to do? Do we need to pull you out of school? Do we need, like, I was met with the fear and chaos. And so I'm like, man, like, how do I evolve into all that I'm meant to be? Like, I know it's beyond me. I didn't have that relationship with God then. So I didn't even know like where... I could trust or who I could lean into. It was a very turbulent time, but that's probably when it hit me 
the most was when I was now supposed to have answers and I had none. Right. Yeah. What do you think at the time? Because I'm, you know, I'm all about mother daughter relationships or even just relationships yeah. in general during yeah. that time. I'm just thinking I can picture you like basically you are taking control of your life. You had sports to kind of yeah. like keep you occupied and get keep you out of trouble. Right. And because yeah. really you were practically raising yourself. 100%. It was very right. It was very confusing. <laughs> like, yeah. like who who do I listen to when nobody's really taking responsibility of like, who's guiding me, right? Did you have any guidance during high school, junior year? So that was where, because I believe probably similar to your story too, I think you called it like crumbs, but I feel like God was always seeding things into my life or highlighting different things. And I could see in hindsight now that that was him. So I always was very intuitive is what I would call it, but I never knew that that was Holy Spirit. But I always like, because we grew up in a very, like the alcoholism that my adoptive mother was facing was really, really bad like dangerous bad so like I would always get downloads of what to do <laughs> um which is crazy powerful or how to protect different situations I basically raised my younger sister because she was seven and a half years younger so she was an infant mm -hmm. at that time and my older sister was very rebellious so it's kind of like I was slap in the middle like had to adult right but I always got strategies or insights or like you know I could hear the voice of God I just didn't know to trust it so I think for me like later it just became something where it's like, I learned to live without those things. So I didn't even know I needed them. Does that make sense? Like the, I didn't have somebody at home, like caring about my well-being or asking me how I felt or like any of that stuff. So I didn't know how to do any of it or what was okay. or what was not. It's like, when you're neglected, how do you know what you have need of? Yes. Right. Right. And then you don't even have time for desires yet. Cause you're just trying to survive. And it's like, when you survived for so long and like, you're not necessarily surviving, so you come out of that, then you're like, now what? All the roles that I have, I know I'm no longer. So how do I live in this? And I think when it comes to a mother figure, right? Usually that's where you learn nurturing. That's where identity is affirmed. That's where you're supported. That's where you're encouraged. That's like a safe space in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. But I didn't have that in three times over. So I had it from a adoptive mom that wasn't there, an alcoholic mother that was absent and then a stepmom that came in that never wanted relationship so this was like reinforced over and over and over so I think it was hard for me to learn how to mother myself yes yes right? let alone right. father myself right like because right. those two things I wasn't none of that was encouraged it was like you have to be successful basically like be a good return on investment was sort of the message yeah <laughs> so like yeah. whatever you're involved in you have to be successful like go to school get a job retire be like a great return on investment was sort of the message, right? Yeah. So it's, beyond that, it was like, that's a luxury. Do you know what I mean? You don't even have time to, to face it. So the, the mentors that came through in that time came from sports. That, that was like a seed of a call. It was like, they could see my heart. Like I remember like just running, I did track and gymnastics, right? So these are like high intensity sports too. But a lot of the track coaches, that was the first time I felt seen and validated. Mm. Right. They would say, they would say to me like, man, kid, you've got heart, right? Like they would see and acknowledge or affirm something in me. Right. Or they would bring out talent and capacity that I didn't know that I had in me. Right. Or like teach me how to like channel that energy in a really productive way. Right. So that was the first time that I was like, oh, like this is, I don't know what this even is, but this is where I have like community. This is where I have 
like a covering in some kind of way, mentorship, support, like that was all completely new. I'd never felt like that. So that's why in college it became somewhat traumatic because I ran track in college and that was the opposite. It was like a individual sport. People were just like out for themselves. There was none of this team camaraderie at all. The coaching was not what I would call coaching <laughs> at all. Right. So I'm just like, oh, this is really sad. Right. So in the middle of an already like really, really deep, dark season, and then you have that too. And you have no outlets. Right. Right. I love how you shared that component of, you know, you only, you sound like my husband's story. Honestly, it was more yeah. of a story of survival because there yeah. weren't any parental or adult no. guidance until you yeah. found it just because you were in survival mode and you're like, okay, I'll do sports because it's something that I can, I can do. I can, it's yeah. getting me to do something because I need to do something with my life. And I love how yeah. God just breathed that in you. You already knew there was a purpose. Like you just yeah. don't fall into other things. Right. Yeah. But you, you focus in sports, but through that path, there was yeah. mentorship and there was coaching. And, you know, I talk a lot in raising her confidently about our roles, whether it be mom roles. I mean, yeah. obviously I'm talking to moms, but yeah. we can learn a lot from what coaches do in this season, because that's who we are in this season. We're mom, but our role is coach and guiding and mentoring. Can you, I'm just going to like open it up and just kind of like focus more on the mentoring part, just because I think a lot of moms will appreciate like what exactly caught your attention in this. I would even say like a hostile environment, really. It's like trying to figure out, (laughs) but like, yeah. There's nobody, it's like, you're, you're on a path where you're just like, what am I doing? So yes. until you met some coaches and like, what exactly did you receive in those moments? How did you feel? What did they say? And how did that really impact you in moving forward? I know college wasn't as great, but you survived college, obviously, but what were some impactful things that they have done and how did you receive that? Yeah. I think something that was really unique in that time too, was I, I had also received very much from teachers because I was like, well, at least even if I'm not getting like good feedback, like I'm thinking of my English papers, I had like read all over them. Do you know what I mean? You're like, Oh, <laughs> a little too much feedback. Right. But at least they were like willing to read what I wrote and give me feedback. I wasn't even getting that at home. It was like, don't be a problem. Do you know what I mean? So it's kind of like, I flew under the radar. Like we've got enough problems. Don't be one was kind of like, not actually verbalized, but definitely the tone, right? right? So it's like right. either like have great praise, like a, a perfect grade card or like do really well in an event that will never show up at, by the way, but mm. don't be a problem, right? That's yeah. kind of it. So at school or in these different situations where I'd have a teacher like sit with me or break down feedback on a piece of paper and tell me how it could be better. I'm like, cool. Like you're giving me a target or like you're helping me learn and develop and that feels right right? Like you're invested. Like I can feel what it's like for somebody to sit with me and be invested and know that they have my best interest, whether it's like feedback I want to hear or not. Like at least this is somebody that is investing in me or with coaches, it was like similar, but there was more of a championing there and an encouraging there that I was starved of. So Mm -hmm. with teachers, it was like how to be better. And that fed something in me. It was almost like, okay, like tweak these things. Like there was always like a goal that you'd be working on in a productive focused way. So that's how teachers showed up. I mean, I could be negative too, but (laughs) (laughs) that's how they were showing up. Right. Right. Um, 
coaches, it was more so the encouragements and really feeling seen. Like they would tell me what I was capable of that I wouldn't see for myself. Cause I, there was a trend that was happening where I would see, I wouldn't do as well in individual races as I did when I was running relays. Like for example, in the 400, right. I wouldn't have my best times in the 400 by myself, but I would like hit like record breaking numbers for me being an anchor in a four by four. And it's like, what is happening there? Like, right. what is going on? Right. Like we try to get you over here to like do that same thing. And like, I'm right. doing it with people though. So I always wanted to feel a part of something and I like ran my guts out, right? When yeah. that was happening and they could see that and they put me in positions to like allow me the opportunity to practice being in my potential, right? They, they were the ones putting belief into me like a fire hose, right? right? They just, I would have given up already, but they watched me. I always felt like they, they were watching me. They were in the stands all the time. They were with me at practice every day. I don't know how many hours that was, but they like, knew me more than anybody in my world knew me. Mm, I love that. Right? So that was a big difference with that. And I'm trying to think other people too. I always self sought help because I knew very quickly that people around me didn't do the work that was going to be required in my story. So I sought therapy in college. Nobody else is going to therapists. I'm going to a therapist. <laughs> right? I'm like, I don't even know where you find one, but I'll Google it or something. I don't right. know. Facebook wasn't even a thing yet. Right. So I'm like out here, like trying to figure out like how I'm like, this is what you do. I think like when you're like struggling mentally, you find a therapist. I don't know. Right. <laughs> a career options course. So I was really interested in people that could again, kind of be guides, right. Or give right. me markers or like see a gifting in me. I would like go and I would sit and I would take personality assessments, right. Just to figure out like, who am I? How am I wired? Like I was literally like desperately searching so I think it's they could provide answers or a next step or a next thing to explore I'm thinking of even one in college she was a Spanish teacher of all things and there was an opportunity to go abroad or to do a it was kind of like an experiential education program right and she yeah. really encouraged me in this experiential education program when it would have been in her favor to encourage me in going abroad right but it was a beautiful thing like she sat with me and like was really trying to help me like unpack that decision Right. So I think right. just being able to find wisdom and sound counsel, that's what I was craving. And they would show up in teachers and coaches and therapists and all of that. And I didn't even know what life coaching was. I didn't hit that until grad school. <laughs> right. But like, literally, that, yeah, literally. So that was kind of how I was just like, this is what love feels like. It feels mm -hmm. like presence. It feels like an investment. It feels like people valuing you, people wanting your well-being. Right. And yes. I, I was always very quiet. I was always very sensitive and very intuitive. So I was always like absorbing so much information, but not having any clue how to process that. Right. Or even having a grid for how to articulate it. So that was a big deal. So all that I'm doing today is like phenomenal, right? Like I'm thinking about even going to therapy and they gave you the emotions wheel. Yes. Like, how are you feeling today? And I'm like, at this point, you know, a teenager, I'm like, I have no idea. I've never seen this many emotions in my life. And I think I feel maybe two, right? Like, I don't, that's all I, I know. know yeah. Right. Like I'm right. literally like, I've got nothing. You might have yeah. to feed me the emotion I'm feeling. Cause I don't know. Like, <laughs> you know, there's this great book, which came a little too late. Cause I kind of wish I had that being a teenager. It's by Brene Brown, Atlas of the yeah. Heart. 
Oh, she breaks down all those. I think that she had like 87 or something like that, but it gives verbiage to what you're feeling and specific words. So it's not just angry, you know, it's a specific, like frustrated. So that way we can help, like even ourselves identify what we're feeling. And it's not just an umbrella emotion Yeah, uh, because then we get, we can treat it specifically or people will treat you specifically different, but Um, I think it was frustration and anxiety, but I never identified it as anxiety. Exactly. I don't think anxiety was a word yet. (laughs) Probably not. (laughs) I call it future proofing to this day. That's what it is. (laughs) But you know, just hearing your story of that time, I I love to highlight that time. It it sounds like teachers, coaches, uh, counselors, they were in your life because and significant because you felt seen and you felt like you belonged. And I think that is what mama hearing this, what our teenagers need, our teen girls need is that they want to feel seen. They want to know whether you see them. And even if it comes in a way of correction or of um, some negative things that might not be received well, but it is attention, right? You're seeing them and to also feel belong that they're a part of something that their life is not solo. They're not just an accident, right? It's yeah. you belong within a community and that what you bring is valuable. So yeah. I think that's kind of like, I listened to your story. What has got you going? It's like these little dot connecting the dots, dots that connected yeah. you throughout your life. And one thing, although this is, it might seem like a negative experience, but it's also something that I teach on too, is that giving space and pulling back. And I know your parents kind of did that on a over extreme, extreme, Extreme. like giving too much space, (laughs) right? but it has allowed you to develop into the person of, I'm going to do this. I need to look for this. And that is something that I also teach parents is that you know, we can't smother our kids. We have to be able to give them some independence so they can figure stuff out. They can figure out what is it in them that they love, that they need, right? And so I see that in your story as well. It might be in a little extreme, but it teaches who you are today, right? And so mamas that are listening Mm -hmm. that, oh, my kids don't want to do anything. Maybe it's time to kind of give a little bit more space so they can figure that out themselves, right? With proper guidance. So I love that you shared that story because I think that's the type of value that they're going to receive from you. But I know that we're also talking about this big span picture of everyday courage. So go for it. (laughs) Yes. Well, I think what's interesting. So having been raised Catholic, and I think that this is really important to note for moms too, especially raising daughters, what led me to the Lord, I was in a relationship with somebody that had narcissistic personality disorder, and I'd never seen something that dark in my life. And I had no clue how to handle it. Mm-hmm. right? Or what in me allowed access to that in my life, right? How did I partner with that? Right. So I think when you think about it, like usually like fathers are an example or role model of like what godly men look like, right? Or what's acceptable, what's unacceptable, right? And when you think about even a daughter, like feeling like emotional unavailability, like somebody that's emotionally unavailable, seeing that as okay, was never okay, right? Or being neglected, you're okay with any sort of attention, even if it's not good attention, Right. 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 Like, and this is dangerous in relationship. And so just when a daughter is starting to explore relationally to deal with heart issues, it's a big problem. Right. Right. So just identifying that. So at any rate, like when that happened, what it did for me was it made me recognize that I am in a spiritual battle that I have no clue how to win. 
this can only be done with God, right? This person had invited me into church. So I was sitting in a church chair, like while this <laughs> moment was happening and I'm learning about grace. And I'm like, that is the thing that I'm missing. Like I've been like living my whole life without this thing. And I need this in my life. Like I need to know that I'm not constantly starting over being like successful in things, but feeling like I'm constantly starting over. Like nothing is building, like it's exhausting or that I'm surrounded by people that don't have my best interests and I'm missing it. Right. Mm -hmm. Like I wanted discernment. That was what I wanted more than anything else. I'm like, I need to be able to like test the spirit to know what that thing is. Right. Like, I'm like, give me that gift. Like, (laughs) so at any rate, I had this hunger for God. And I think for me, that is what taught me that I wasn't living a courageous life. Right. I was actually quite a coward when it came to like my insides. Like I wasn't being inevitably like I was living in fear not faith right like I was building my entire life on fear which is making me a coward right so like in all the instances that I'm designed to be bold I'm designed to be courageous like I'm not being who I am because you can't be who you are without knowing God Mm -hmm. right so I also wasn't fully expressing like his nature in me it was more like I was hiding that and like when you're in hiding like you are in an oppressed state all of the time. So like the highest version of you is never coming out and you're practicing being inauthentic your entire life. So the very thing you crave, you will never have. Right. Right. So doesn't it make sense that I met the most inauthentic person you could ever run into? It was matching my inauthenticity as well in some degree. Not that that was okay in any aspect, but like there's parts of me that made me a match for that. And I right, you just don't see the difference because yes. that's what you live in, right? Yes. yes. To me, like everyday courage started to become what like my life motto is now that God's vibes matter. So when I first started coaching, my coaching company was called Vibes Matter, like how you think affects how you feel, which affects how you show up in the world. It was that's really right. teaching a lot of personal development, but God, at some point in my story, made sure that he became the center of my coaching practice. And that that was always going to be who I pointed people to, not any other tool, not any other resource that had to go straight to him. And I didn't see that when I got certified in grad school, right? Like I did not see one, people had no clue what coaching was, (laughs) not even (laughs) myself, right? It sort of sounded like this weird thing that like some weird people get into. It was not something that people are more open to today, but I had a frame of reference in my life story to know that like, this is a thing. And I've been training for this my entire life. Mm. This just flows naturally with me. So it was the first time I felt like who I was, which was a seed. So later when I'd given my life to God, right? Like he wanted me to get back into coaching with him at the center though. And I was like, that's new. Cause I thought we gave that thing up. Right. 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 So that no, was wild. It was wild, but it was all about building spirit driven success. And how do you start building your life on him? So God's vibes matter. I joke was a self check to me. It's like vibes, <laughs> matter, but I need you to know how to find me in anything. Right. Right. Like I need you to know the difference between like your thoughts and my voice. I need you to know the difference between what you feel and what is true. I need you to know the difference between if God sent that or if I sent, or like if the enemy sent that or if I sent that, like I need you to, to know this. So God's vibes is everything is vibration from your words and his word going out into the word, into the world, to your thoughts, to energy that you're feeling in a room like this is all spiritual and the spiritual is way more real than the natural so Mm -hmm. is an education or like a holy spirit boot camp is sort of what god's vibes is right right (laughs) courage right is being able to do a lot of this soul work so the best way i can define this is like we've got this physical body that we're walking the earth in right Mm -hmm. then we've got our soul which is how we process what we're experiencing on earth okay Mm -hmm. now 
we have a spirit, okay? And the spirit is supposed to guide the soul, which guides the body. But right. what often happens is the physical, which is like the enemy's domain, is guiding the soul, which is traumatizing it. And then we never get in contact with our spirit. And we have a broken spirit our entire life. And that was definitely what I was living under the influence of, a broken spirit. So you can't fully connect with God. You're not hungry for the things of God. You don't even know <laughs> how to access any of that or how to relate with none of it, right? But your spirit is when it talks about guarding your heart, for example, right? The spirit is where God communes with you. And this is the most sacred part of your inside. That's what you're guarding, okay? Because out of, out of that is where all of life is going to flow for you, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. to me, it's like, okay, God has given me the mind of Christ, but am I thinking with the mind of Christ? Because that in itself tells me there's many other minds that I can be thinking from. Yes. I like to say, I can't afford to have a thought in my mind. God doesn't think about me. So if that's true, then I need to be courageous about investigating what thoughts are in my brain. Mm. Next thing, right? Emotionally speaking, okay, I'm feeling a lot of really scary things. And for somebody that lived without emotion for a long time, it's scary to feel any emotion, right? Like yeah. <laughs> you just want to run and get busy and not feel anything, right? right. You right. can do that when you're busy. You can do that when there's no space. But when there's the stillness, that's the scariest thing. Because for me personally, in my story, it could have been, well, if nobody else invested in me, what am I going to find there? It's probably not going to be good if nobody was willing to invest in it. So it was scary to even be still because I'm like, what am I going to find? Yes, exactly. Which was what the enemy wanted for me. But God is like, oh, there's treasure in here. Like, we're going to hang out. We're going to like pull it all out. Right. So emotionally, though. Being moved emotionally is the best way for the enemy to manipulate you, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So to me, it's like God wants to stabilize your emotions. So he's given you the kingdom, righteousness, peace, and joy. You get to right. live in those emotions every day. Or if you drop to your heart, he gives you the beatitudes. These are attitudes of the heart that are pleasing to him. You see what I'm saying? Yep. Or when it comes to your spirit, right? He's telling you to be the light. Light is what exposes darkness. It disposes of darkness, right? It's very confrontational in a lot of ways, right? Yes. It's literally disruptive. Light is disruptive. So like the call to courage and having everyday courage is like the call to sit and be still and invite God into every single thing. Hey friend, if this podcast inspired you or encouraged you or helped you in any way, I'd love for you to share it. You can screenshot this episode and share it in your stories on social media or text it to a friend who can use the support. It's the best way you can thank me. I want to let other mamas know they are not alone. I'd love to stay connected with you. You can find me on Instagram at Jeannie Baldomero or join my free mom support community at linktree backslash Jeannie Baldomero. Until next time, live full of grace, Jeannie.